chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, and, um, and uh, we are talking about uh, praying and for the sick and believing God for healing and miracles, and we're going to uh, continue in that vein. Uh, we have studied uh, the fact that the Bible teaches that people can be healed, that this is part of the uh, promise of God. It is part of our message to pray for the sick and to let people know that God can work a miracle. And we are, we are grateful uh, for that. We have looked at how it's not as simple as that. It would it'd be nice if it was, but the reality is that we have to deal with our own uh, carnal mind. And even, uh, 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 even as believers, sometimes people have uh, developed an idea that sometimes can oppose and hinder healing. And uh, we've looked at that, and so we're, what we're doing now is we're going to talk uh, uh, or have been talking about the issue of praying for the sick and what we are looking at. You know, we just came from the Bible conference uh, in Tucson, and uh, Friday morning, Pastor Mitchell uh, ministered and prayed for the sick, and it was very interesting to hear him talk about uh, one of the, some of the things I've been saying that... Uh, uh, for many, many years in the ministry, even though he was saved, raised a Pentecostal, he used to attend uh, some of the giant uh, tent crusades that were popular back in the 1950s and 60s. He would go to those. He was interested. He was a, a Pentecostal pastor, and he would watch Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne and some of the uh, more famous um, uh, healing evangelists. Uh, and, and saw all of that and was moved by it and was inspired by it, but at the same time, uh, never really could understand the dynamics. There weren't a whole lot of dynamics that were there. It was more about the man. This, uh, this is um, uh, some specially anointed, gifted healer, and uh, people would go to see him. I, I said at the beginning of this Sunday school that one of the things that when I asked him about uh, that, uh, one of the things he said is that uh, those men were good men, but they really were the attraction. And when he began to contend for healing, he wanted to understand why people get healed and did all that because he wanted whatever he figured out, he wanted to make sure he passed that on. And that was a big difference. He didn't want to be known as the healer. He wanted uh, to learn so that he could teach and uh, uh, young pastors like myself could have some insight in praying for the sick, which I'm, I'm very grateful for, by the way, that uh, his heart has always been to disciple and minister there. And so uh, the, what we want to do in this Sunday school is equip people here. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, we all work with sick people. We're always around them. And uh, to be able to have the confidence that I can pray for people and I can pray for them with understanding and insight and how to minister to them and uh, uncover things. You know, one of the things about Pastor Mitchell uh, that I think is very helpful is that he uh, was a mechanic in the Air Force. And when he came out, he became a, an appliance uh, uh, repairman and worked on engines in the, in the, while he was in the military. And then when he got out, he translated that into working on appliances and things like that. But uh, there's an engineering mindset, I think, in him that wants to know how things work. They're just fascinated, you know, look at something and, and it wants to remove the plate 
look at the, the various gizmos and gadgets and, and think, how does, this, how does this work? And I think when it comes to uh, praying for the sick, he kind of did the same thing. said, okay, what are the dynamics? There was a time when uh, I can tell you as a young pastor, and I wasn't the only one, I think I could speak for all of us at the time, was someone would come and we would lay hands on them and say, God, heal them. Heal them right now in Jesus' name. You know, and, and, and that's about as far as it went. But when we began to deconstruct and look at this, we uh, begin to get some dynamics. And that is what we're talking about in this Sunday school. And that is looking at some of the dynamics of when praying for people and being able to begin to how to minister to them. So our text is Luke 13, verse 10 through 17. And Doris, you want to read that for us this morning? And uh, we're going to continue to talk about the spirit of infirmity and healing and the spiritual dimensions that are involved in healing. We talked about this last week, and uh, I want you to, to uh, uh, think about this. Uh, we reflect on our own lives, but then we also uh, think about it when we're ministering to people, because people have a spirit. Okay, you think that uh, we're just uh, bones and flesh and sinew, there's a spirit inside of all of us. And that has so much to do with what you and I are. And so uh, go ahead, uh, read that, Doris. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his, hand on, his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Okay, so uh, we talked about this verse. Let's just get our, our minds working again in this verse of Scripture. So here we have uh, this woman who had a bowed back for 18 years, and when Jesus saw her, she would have been someone that was well-known in the community. Everybody would have known her. They probably would have known her as the woman with the bowed back or the bent-over back. And, uh, and so when Jesus saw her, uh, he saw something that nobody else had seen. They, had, they would have diagnosed her with some sort of a back ailment, some sort of spine uh, uh, condition, uh, but yet when Jesus saw her, he saw a spirit. He saw more happening. Remember what we said uh, that uh, in the Western world we see man as a machine, that you just simply uh, figure out the machine and then replace the parts, uh, whereas the rest of the world sees man as a house with a spirit inside it. And so Jesus saw a spirit on this woman. Something spiritual was taking place here. We said that, you know, not everybody he prayed for and he, and he healed, he healed the same way. In this story, very clearly, Jesus saw a spiritual dimension 
that was working in this woman's life and needed to be addressed. He uses the imagery. Remember, they, it's a Sabbath. They give him a hard time it being the Sabbath. And he says, your law even allows you to untie an animal and allow it to drink water. And he's, that the language there, remember, he has told her, you are loosed from your infirmity or untied from your infirmity. And so this is not just a, an off-the-cuff example when he talks about the untying of the animal. He's basically saying that this woman needed to be untied, that she was bound, she was tied up. She was not allowed to function normally. Normally an animal that was thirsty would go to water, but it couldn't because it was tied up. He's, and he's using that language saying, this is not normal. What this woman's experiencing was not what God intended. Something is hindering her and preventing her from functioning the way she would normally function, and she needed to be untied. And so let's all agree that she's not the only one that needs to be untied. There are a lot of people who are tied up. Their spirit is all tied up. It's all bound up. And uh, uh, we mentioned, I, I think I shared last week in our Sunday school, just an observation about people that have been violated many times. Uh, they've been bound up and tied up and they don't even realize it. It's been so much a part of them, they think it's them. You know, you can cross certain boundaries and lines and things can happen to you that tie you up and bind you and prevent you from functioning normally. A lot of times people get married and they try to have a family and they got a wife and they got kids, but they're tied up. And that, that keeps them from uh, functioning as a, uh, normally as a husband or a wife or how they relate with their children. You know, one of the things I'm always concerned about is men with their fathers. Men aren't right with their fathers. They're in conflict with their fathers. Sometimes their fathers are dead, but that whole idea, that, that has a way of binding them and affecting their ability to relate with other men, particularly men in authority positions, true with women and their mothers. And we could go on this morning, but the truth is that life, trauma, violation, and hurt can, can bind us up and we're all tied up so that we're unable to function the way God intended us to function. You know, so much dysfunction in our society is we're living in a world of tied up people. And people carry a spirit with them. And this had a direct effect on her health. Now, last week we mentioned um, Peter's mother-in-law, how the Bible says when Jesus went to her house, she was sick with a fever and Jesus rebuked the fever. He addressed the fever in the language of the spirit. He rebuked it. That what was happening to her was spiritual her sickness, her fever. Now, I know that we would say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Fever's caused by infection, and it's the body fighting the infection. I mean, we, we, we have the scientific reasons for why things happen, but Jesus jumped past that. You know, there's a reason why there's wind. There's a reason why there are waves. But how many know Jesus can rebuke the wind and the wave? And whatever the, you know, the meteorological reasons are for a weather condition, he has the ability to just rebuke it and to uh, see something happen. And so we're, we're talking about it. And then I think we finished off last week and how Jesus uh, prayed for a, somebody who was deaf and he rebuked a deaf and dumb spirit. 
That's how he dealt with it. He dealt with it as a spirit and saw that spiritual uh, uh, powers and forces can be brought to bear in our physical condition. And so when we are praying for people or when we're working or addressing this in ourselves, we consider this issue. I'm going to give out a, a few scriptures this morning. I wanted to catch up. And again, your contribution uh, uh, will be very, very helpful. I need to get to Matthew 8, 16, Matthew 8, 16, Jeremiah, Proverbs 18, 14, uh, Didi Martinez, and Deuteronomy 28, 15, John Rents. We're going to look at these scriptures and, and look at a number of issues related to this. Now, the world that uh, understands or is beginning to understand or recognize this. I was very interested. Uh, years ago, I read a, a, a great book on John D. Rockefeller, who had become the richest man in the world, and, and it's about his uh, charity or his philanthropy. But, you know, when the turn of the last century came around, 1900, America was very backward when it came to medicine. Everybody knew that if the best doctors in the world were in Europe, they were in Germany and in France, and America was very, very uh, uh, backwards. Uh, it didn't take anything to get a, become a doctor. You didn't have to go to college. You could, you could get, become a doctor and, and get a certificate. And a lot of doctors were, uh, you know, their, their medicine kit uh, included a bottle of whiskey. And, and uh, it was uh, Rockefeller who began to invest in medicine and upgrading American medicine so that today it's the leading uh, uh, leads the world in when it comes to medicine and health and all of that, but but that was not where America was. It was a, it was a, it was a complete mystery, and you know things have improved. But one of the things that's happened is that for a long time, spiritual reality was kind of set aside. Today, you don't hear people refer to spirits, but you do hear the word stress an awful lot. Everybody that's gone to the doctor knows that. Today, they, they talk to you, they use terms like stress-related illnesses. And what are they saying? What they're saying is that the human spirit and what's going on on the inside has an effect physically on you. What our spirit is makes a difference. If you ever go to the gym, you know, you'll find signs in the gym that will say, you know, meditate, forgive. And what, forgive, what does forgiveness have to do with health? Well, as a Christian, we know it has a lot to do. But how many know, you know, for the world to have signs telling you when you're going to the gym and you're getting on that treadmill, forgive. Because they're, they're beginning to realize there's more happening in us. There's all kinds of things that are taking place down us spiritually, and they do have an effect on our bodies. Uh, uh, Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come... They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. You know, so here the Bible says that Jesus uh, uh, cast out people, spirits of people, and he healed all who were sick. That, you know, six times in, in the Gospels you find the association between the casting out of spirits and healing. That... 
when Jesus ministered to people and prayed for them, it wasn't just, well, I prayed for the sick. There's this, this link between spiritual deliverance and physical healing. That they're tied together, that people have spiritual issues in their life and those spiritual issues are contributing to what is happening in their bodies physically. Now, let me uh, say again, does that mean that every person that's sick is demon possessed? No, of course not. But the idea that if we were gonna pray for somebody or somebody came to us and said, hey, I need prayer, that we don't stop and consider if there might be a spiritual link, I think would be irresponsible. To ask them, is there, is there something else going on in their life? Proverbs 18, verse 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The spirit of a man and sickness. And the, the, the verse there is actually, I, to me, a verse of hope, at least the first part of this, that a spiritual cure really helps a physical cure. When people are right spiritually and address issues in their life spiritually, that lends itself to health, health and healing. Whereas when someone's spirit is broken, that that can do that can that uh, makes it very very difficult when you're trying to contend for healing in that person's uh, life and body. That the spirit plays a role, and having a good spirit really makes a major major difference. And so the big argument is science versus spirit. You know, uh, you're you're going to meet people who. You know, if you don't agree with their science, then you're a denier. Okay, global warming, uh, the world's, uh, if we don't, uh, uh, you know, get rid of the, the uh, uh, you know, airplanes and engines in 12 years, the whole world's going to fall, I mean, all this stuff. And if you don't believe that, you're a denier. You know, it's funny, the same people who say that will look at a, uh, a sonogram of a baby in the womb and totally deny that that's a baby. You know, anyway, it's another story. But here, you know, the truth is that spirit and sickness really are connected. They're linked. Let me, let me just stop right here and see if we have anybody that has anything to contribute. I see Barbara, John, anybody else. We're just talking about the subject of spirit and sickness. And Tony. Okay, Barb. Um, I hope this helps, but it was like two or three summers ago it was after boot camp and um, my knees had just, I could hardly walk. I, I just, oh my gosh, what in the world? And I, I, I just couldn't figure out what, I was blaming Jack's dogs. I was like, it's, I don't know what is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the dogs, I don't know. But um, I just happened to, you know, the wonderful internet now, you can go to the Prescott conference and not be there, you know, you can. <laughs> And, I, and I'm not even technology smart. I was like, oh, look, it's Pastor Olson. And he was, uh, it, was, it, it was just basically, you know, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those called according to his purpose. And that he was talking about some things may not ever change, 
you, you just, you know, life's not, you know, it was basically, well, life's not fair, just deal with it. But, <laughs> but to, it just, he spoke so powerfully that it, it might ever, not ever change. You're going to let it change you. And, and, I, and it's not, and, and I realized what the issue was, and it was like, and it wasn't even like hatred or forgiveness or, you know, but just that I was fighting so hard to change something and it is this this ain't happening in your time <laughs> and to really let it go and so I'm, I'm I got Pastor Olson and I'm raising my hand I'm in the backyard with my dogs <laughs> but I, I knew that God had had delivered me from that that it you know and, and it, it really wasn't like you know for you know, like forgive or you're bitter or you hate somebody but I was I wanted something to change and it's yes. not happening <laughs> Anyway, but I felt delivered. Yeah, man, I saw you uh, pushing the, uh, the big ball around out there the other day, so you're healed, hallelujah. Thank God for that. John? Uh, to go back to what Raquel had mentioned last week about the deaf, dumb, and, and not wanting to give that up because that was part of their identity yeah. and how you can look at that in so many different facets in today's society. And it brought to mind a question that when praying for people like that would it be uh, okay i mean would it be prudent to pray against the spirit of idolatry because they're holding on to that as that's my idol that's what i'm worshiping is is what's causing this is my identity and that's what i'm holding up before god and placing that before god my identity is more important to me than my relationship with god and being yeah. healed yeah i would i would i i could see many many yeah i, I could see that being one of many things that could be there. I guess, you know, it's hard to get somebody healed who doesn't want to be healed of whatever you're praying for. Yeah. I guess that's the biggest thing. If somebody had a broken leg and said, I prefer to keep it. You know, it, I, I imagine that could be a huge block. And so um, uh, I can understand, you know, there, there people who have a, a particular disability or infirmity uh, and... Uh, you know, we have to adapt to that. Uh, but we should never close the door on a miracle, on healing. And uh, I guess to me, Pastor Warner is a very good example of that, that he's okay, I'm gonna adapt, I'm gonna function, I'm gonna, but at the same time, I'm not going to shut any doors here of what God can do and keep a right spirit. And so I imagine if you're praying for somebody who's deaf and they've, you know, the program that Raquel was in, decides that the way we're going to do this is we're going to say to them, hey, you're, you're, you're different, but your difference is special and, you know, you're, you're, you're not any less. And they've taken that, but the danger, of course, is then that closes the doors for, for healing. You know, it's a good point. Uh, Tony. Um, so it's kind of a story, and then I just wanted to ask you about it, was that uh, I went to a bank not too long ago and I was just doing a you know regular withdrawal or whatever and I came across actually one of my sister's friends from her cheerleading team and we were talking and talking about you know traveling things like that and I noticed that on her wrist she had a tattoo of a couple like Chinese symbols or some some symbols and uh, I noticed also that her whole wrist and her whole hand was just full of rashes. 
And it didn't go down her arm. It wasn't on her other arm. It wasn't like anywhere around her face or anything like that. And I was just thinking like, you know, I, I thought that that was very you know, spiritual that, you know, there was this, this tattoo on her wrist and then all of a sudden she's here breaking out in her arm. And so I didn't ask her about it. But then when it was interesting, cause I walked out of the bank and I ran into Pastor Gamboa, like he was there. So uh, I asked Pastor Gamboa, I was like, hey, when you go in and you talk to that teller, if you notice the, uh, if you notice, you know, her wrist, see that tattoo and then the rashes, I was like, I wonder if that's like spiritual, you know, that, that that's taking place. And he took a look at it and he was like, wow, that's that, you know, that does make a lot of sense that it would be something spiritual because it was a tattoo that nobody ever recognized, nobody like has seen before. It's like, it's something kind of like odd out of the ordinary. And I was just wondering what, like, could a, could a spirit be attached to Absolutely. the tattoo? You know, we, you can open up a whole new stream of, of discussion if you want to talk about that very thing. So uh, can artifacts and uh, objects uh, uh, having a spiritual effect is really what we're talking about. Absolutely. I know for me, and uh, you know, nothing origi- original comes from me. If you ever, any thought, any idea, you know, I'll be honest with you, no- nothing comes from me originally. I just, I have the benefit of being part of a fellowship. Uh, but uh, whenever people ask me to pray for a skin ailment, I always pray against witchcraft. Always pray against witchcraft. And uh, the other thing is that very often, you know, uh, you know I've, been, I've had the privilege of traveling around the world and going to places where they keep talismans and they keep like little pouches of, of powder. Where's Pastor Gamboa? I saw him here. But, uh, but you have these kinds of things um, and uh, people have them, but they have them for protection. They, care, they keep these things on their body for protection when in fact, it's inviting a spirit. That's what it does. It's inviting a spirit to be working uh, in their lives. Um, I've shared before, I guess probably years ago now, that uh, I was with Joe Campbell, and we were in Indonesia back in 1993 and doing a crusade, and Pastor Campbell was doing the crusade, and we were you know, helping him, and this man came forward, and before he could even get, uh, talk to this man, this guy just began to manifest and scream. So I've seen a lot of demons scream and, and uh, do the worm and all kinds of different things, but, but this guy was screaming like he was in sheer terror. And of course, you know, we had hundreds of people there, you know, and so you got to remember, remember demon, demonology uh, 1A is don't let the devil take over the service. So that's what we do. That's why we don't have 20 guys. Somebody manifests, you know, 20 guys in the front screaming at them. You'd get them out of the building because we had, people don't come to church to watch the devil. And so we grabbed this guy and we took him out of the building and he was screaming as if he was on fire. So as he's doing that, we feel around and in his back pocket, we pulled out and it was, it was a little pouch and this was there for protection. They carry this around that this is supposed to ward off evil spirits. But when he came to that Pentecostal meeting and God touched his heart and he came forward, that manifested and was burning him. And he was screaming. And so I had this thing in my hand and this guy, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. 
I, re, I got it and, and I'm looking at it because it's not hot, it doesn't burn, I'm holding it. And this guy, and we pull it away from him, he immediately calms down. So, you know, I'm curious. So I put it back all over on him <laughs> and he started screaming like crazy again. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't torment him or anything like that. But something was happening there that was spirit. But, but here, you know, it's kind of like what you're saying. Now, let me just qualify here in America. The, these people aren't spiritual. They're stupid. They just go out and they get these uh, uh, tattoos and they, you know, they have these wraps around them and they think it's cute. And they go and they buy this thing and they put it around their neck and they, and they put all this stuff, you know. Uh, I was in a Tucson and the medical marijuana has taken over the city. And, and uh, Yolanda and I were driving by this place yesterday. And, uh, and you know, you, if you're a doper, listen to me. Yeah, dopers normally don't come to Sunday school, but uh, they're still asleep. But uh, if you go by, you know, there, there's this, you know, head shop. You know, they sell the pipes and the paraphernalia. And then, uh, and then the next window, same shop as Psychic Readings. And so, you know, here, people don't understand. Yeah, I, had a, I preached uh, in Tucson the other night, and I, I, I called out that Christians don't smoke weed. Fair enough, I think. I had a 19-year-old young man. As soon as I'm done, I'm leaving. He chased me down and said, I'm a Christian, and I smoke marijuana. I said, why? You know, he's from California. And he said, why? Uh, why, you know, I, I, you know, like, what are the reasons why? And I said, you don't understand. Marijuana is a re it was a religious rite. It didn't turn into recreation until last century. Up until then, it was always a religious rite. It was as people did it to conjure up spirits. They did, they did it because they felt it gave them access to the spirit world, which is what it does. It's only now, all of a sudden, be like bound down from an idol. Oh, I don't see what's wrong. It, it, and so, so this generation... They're tapping into all this spiritual stuff, this so-called activity, and they don't understand what it is. And then these manifestations start happening to them. So when you're ministering to people, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not into, you know, someone come to the altar, you yank the crucifix off their neck. Okay, man, we always don't answer questions people aren't asking. But at the same time, when somebody comes and says, I want prayer for healing, and I, you begin to talk to them, and then you see a spiritual root, I will ask them about objects. I've, I've, you know, I've had situations where people have come uh, to pastors to be prayed for, and they're, they've got this uh, child that was doing great, and all of a sudden the baby can't sleep anymore, screams bloody murder at night, and, and they're trying to figure out. And this one couple, uh, they, they, they were praying for their baby, something's going on here, and for some reason they just felt impressed about a a uh, stuffed animal that was in the crib that had been sent by a relative. And they got this stuffed animal and they're trying to, you know, and so they just open it up and there's one of these talismans that was put inside. A well-meaning relative sent this with this talisman for protection. So we're talking about spirits, spiritual reality. That there are more, more dynamics that are going on when, you're, when you and I are ministering to people. And so uh, it's worth uh, considering. Anybody else here before I, I see a hand there? Barb, that you? And Samuel. 
when my parents were alive, my mom and dad were very Catholic. My mom especially, she's, her parents were from Italy. And so they're Roman Catholic to the core. So she had taken, um, I don't know what they're called, they're little uh, fake saints on little pieces of paper in plastic with a ribbon and she had put it under my mattress. I was saved and came home, could not sleep had the worst nightmares ever. And I'd been plagued by these nightmares for years. And I, I mean, you can ask Jerry, there would be times where I would just scream in the middle of the night and I could feel something bouncing on my bed and my, it was just horrible. I mean, years and years and years of this. And I had gone home and I went to bed, woken up probably two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, same thing, horrible nightmare, just just um, demonic to the max, got up, I'm pacing the floor because I don't know what to do. And I'm just praying, God, you know, get, let me have some sleep. And immediately the Holy Ghost brought me to that bed. And I remember op pulling the two mattresses apart and pulling this thing out. I don't know what that thing is, but I knew that that was the root cause. And I remember going downstairs to the trash can and throwing it in the trash can in our, in our garage and then coming back up the stairs and meeting my mom in the hallway. And she's like, what are you doing? I just said, well, I couldn't sleep, so I'm kind of walking, you know, I'm just trying to get back to sleep. She goes, no, there's, you, what did you just, what did you get rid of? What did you throw away? I mean, what does she know that's three o'clock in the morning? And so I just said, well, something, I said, I found something in the bed and I just couldn't sleep. And so uh, she went down and got it, and I mean, it was it was a it was a stronghold in our house, and it was it manifested in nightmares with me. And so finally, the next day when she was around, I was around. I literally took that thing and, and tore it to pieces. I mean, I cut it up with a pair of scissors just because I knew that that was a root of something. But it had a hold on my mom. And can you is that that absolutely. spiritual connection? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm you know. Um, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily prepared to go in this direction, but, you know, remember when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they were told very specifically about, warned about accursed things, accursed things, objects, because the concern was they were going to, remember, they were going to go in and possess cities and houses uh, that were still intact. They weren't bombed. They weren't destroyed. And, and they were going to come across all these artifacts and objects that carried a spiritual Thing. God said, you are not to bring them into your home. You are not. These things are accursed. You're not to have them. And he forbade them and he made them aware that there are, uh, you know, inanimate objects that have a spiritual power. Remember the apostle Paul said, he said that we know there's nothing to the idol, but the issue is the spirit that is behind the idol. So, you know, uh, uh, clay is clay and copper is copper, but there's a spiritual association, okay? Anybody here ever, ever, maybe one or two, ever smoked marijuana before you were saved? A couple of you, okay? And, uh, and how many know there was a whole lot of paraphernalia that was associated with that, okay? I mean, that's, it's, it's a religion. Pipes and all kinds of things. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I got rid of all the paraphernalia. I hope you know, I, I, I assume you did too, okay. That, you know what I mean? How many of us cleaned house when we got saved? 
Why do we do that? Because the, those physical objects, the pictures, the albums, the CDs or whatever you have, you know, the, you know, the movies, they, they, what is that? That's celluloid. That's, that's uh, you know, that's uh, uh, carbon. What, what's the big deal? But there was something spiritual that became attached to all that. And so he said, you know, you got to be you, the, the cursed thing because we are spiritual and we're affected by those things. Very good, uh, Sam. Okay, this is just uh, uh, something I observed. It's related to people wearing talismans or crosses when you pray from. And uh, there's times in Belize or even here where you were a uh, new convert uh, or you try praying from them and then they don't get filled with the whole, this is for the Holy Spirit. And then I, and we ask them, do you have any crosses on you or, or anything like that? And usually they, they do. And uh, with some people like, uh, like who weren't willing to give up their, their idols or the other stuff that they're carrying on them, even though they got saved, even though we tried to explain, they're like, no, 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 thank you. And they wouldn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. They wouldn't have that element of God in their life because they were still holding on to that. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of us, uh, if we remember back, that, can we all agree that we didn't get it all the first day we got saved? You know, we, and we're working with people, we have to remember that. But a lot of times, you know, you're saved a while and God begins to deal with you about something. And, and you realize, you know what, I don't need this. I need to get this away from me or out of my house or I need to get rid of this, break it, burn it, whatever. But, but there is a spiritual component to us. And, uh, you know, this all was raised by Tony mentioning a girl with a tattoo on her arm and the arm all uh, 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 rash and, and all of that, that there's a spiritual side to who we are. So let me just uh, give you some uh, statistics, some of these I've used before here, but it, it helps us that they actually are trying to understand this dynamic, not in a way that we are, they're not necessarily going from the Bible, but they are trying to figure out that there is a spiritual link, it's human health. And so Duke University got all these, by Duke University study of 4,000 adults, those who attended church regularly were 40% less likely to suffer hypertension. 40% less likely by people who go to church regularly. So, you know, what do you surmise from that? How, what, what's the takeaway from a statistic like that? It's pretty remarkable. The church-going people, something, there's a benefit that's helping them be healthy. You know, some people went to the gym this morning you said, well, I'm going to go work out when well, I'm going to church because I'm healthier when I go to church. In fact, I would say that you're healthier than the person who doesn't go to church and goes to the gym on Sunday mornings. There, there, there's, there's something here. That, so, you know, they, they, they don't articulate it the way we do, but there it is. That's just a, stat, a statistic. Coronary Hospital in San Francisco, those who were prayed for by others recovered quicker and with fewer complications and required 20% of the medication as those not prayed for. Okay, here again, people who are prayed for, quicker recovery, less complications, less medicine. That, those are just, these are studies, these aren't, just, these aren't religious people. They're just 
fascinated with this idea that, you know, you go to, you know, I go to the hospital and, you know, they'll have clergy parking and they are pretty accommodating still, allow for prayer, you know, very rarely have I ever been in a hospital to pray for somebody and, and made to feel unwelcome. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if the staff is trained or taught to respect that, but by and large, at least in my experience, it's encouraged that this is, this is good. If these people, you know, if, if these nurses and doctors are caring for them, they understand that getting someone to pray for them is actually helping them do their job. And so if somebody decided to, to put a pen to paper here and to study it and said, wow, this is, this is a benefit. So what is that? Again, we're talking about the association between spirit and health. And that if people's spirits can be ministered to, something can happen to them regarding their health. How about this one? Happily married people recover from illness faster than those who are not. Hey, feel free to contribute anytime here. Anybody have any comments? Happily married people recover from illness faster. Okay, Veronica. Veronica is going to tell us why right now. Okay, a lot of y'all know that I just had a, a full hysterectomy, and um, it was it was an ordeal because the doctor found a lot of damage because of my past, as well. And um, she was astonished, and a lot of people are astonished how well and how quickly. I was up and around and, you know, and it was because of the prayers, you know, quick recovery. And I didn't take the medication, like I have a lot of medication left. I didn't finish my medication, my pain pills. I didn't need to take them um, because I wasn't in pain, you know, and the doctors are like, are you sure you don't need another prescription, you know? And, and also because I have a lot of brothers and sisters in the church mainly sisters, and my kids and my husband to make sure that, hey, you know, you need time of rest. And my husband's very understanding and, no, you know, stay in bed, don't worry about anything. And, you know, and, and it softened his heart towards me to be the damsel in distress, I guess. And, you know, letting him take care of me instead of me always, you know, wanting to take care of him. And so I think it, it helped our marriage because... A lot of times, you know, we're always on the go, on the go, but sometimes he has to slow down and say, hey, I need to take care of my wife. And because of that, I, I believe I healed very quickly. Praise God. Very, very good. I'm just looking, scanning the audience here. So we're talking about the, the, this association that is, again, you know, this isn't coming from the Bible. This is just, they're looking at medicine now and they're realizing that there's more involved here. Let's move along here. 75% of all doctor visits are stress-related. 75% of all doctor visits are stress-related. So what is it? So what again, when you, when you hear the word stress, just plug in the word spirit. Because that's it. That's their way of saying this is beyond the physical. Something spiritually is happening. Something that moves in the realm of emotion that operates in a realm that they can't just stick a, you know, they can't stick a thermometer. They might say, well, you have high blood pressure, you're stressed out, or your, your heart rate is up. But by and large, 
they, they know that this is something that's not, that's going along in a realm of your worries, your thoughts, and your concerns, all, all these things right here. And uh, that they're trying to figure out, okay, how can we help people that way? All right. Um, psychological stress was number one predictor of a heart attack. Psychological stress was the number one predictor of heart attack. Say, what do we think? When we think about predictors of heart attack, what do we think? We think clogged arteries. We think heart disease, cigarette smoking, the fact that uh, your, your father died in his 50s from a heart attack. You know, that's what we would assume to be the number one factor, but it's not. Psychological, again, let's use the word spiritual, something that you can't, you can't monitor, you can't put a, take an x-ray and see stress. You can see the effects of it, but you can't see it. So here's the Lord Jesus again. We go back to the miracle of this healing of this woman, and he sees a spirit of infirmity. There's something spiritual transpiring. Amen. I'm still waiting for uh, people here. Remember, this is where we, we get help is in the people's comments. And so come up here and get David. Uh, go ahead, David, really quick. I'll give it to you. I've got a couple more minutes. You know, th throughout the years, you know, um, you know, Sally's just been really there by my side, and and uh, a lot of times, you know, we've having to, you know, do some construction jobs and uh, doing things that, you know, wasn't really skilled for unless it, it takes toll on the body, and uh, you know, she's always preaching to me, be you know, more health wise, and which is good, you know, and uh, I don't know. When you talk about love, you know, and, and your family and your wife, and my, my wife has a different kind of love. You know, she'll tell me in the morning, get up, hurry up, you got to go, you know, don't be late. And then I'm like, you know, hey, where's the love, you know? But uh, she's, she's really good at, at just motivating me and giving me that opportunity to, to see the good in me. To say, you know what, you're not going to lay down you're not, when you're sick. You're not going to accept the fact that, you know, you're unable. And she... she gives me that gun hole and she says, you know what, God given you the spirit to fight. And so uh, just, just that alone it helps me to prepare my, pro propel myself in the day in and the day out daily. And it's motivated me. So now I'm, I'm here now and I'm dealing with people that have uh, stress or have illnesses. And, and it's like when I go talk to them, they're like, hey, do you have diabetes? And, you know, I'm like, no, I don't have diabetes. You have high blood pressure, right? You got to have high blood pressure because uh, look at you. Uh, no, I don't have high blood pressure. And I, I mean, I, I've gone to doctors where they're like, well, the size of your neck, you should have X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have X, Y, Z. I said, I just have a big neck, you know? <laughs> so, I know, and it's just, uh, but I, 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 I look at all that, I said, it's God. Yeah. yeah. It's God and it's a wife that tells me, you know what? Hey, you're, you're all right. Yeah. You're going to be good and you're motivated and... Sometimes, yeah, I feel the psychiatric stress. I, I, I'm, I'm human. I'm gonna, I feel it. And is that work, the, stress, the work that where I'm at, they're all crazy, you know? They're all postal. So, yeah. so I, I just, I have to be the only one that's, that's they, I'm insane, I'm sane, but they look at me like I'm insane. Yeah. Like, why are you always laughing? Why are you always smiling? Yeah. Why are you always, and I'm like, you know what? Jesus Christ set me free. Yeah. All right, very good. So we're talking about having 
uh, uh, victory right here. Let me just give you a couple more so I can close this part so we can pick up with something else next week. Uh, okay, here, factor in heart disease among women is stress of job versus children. Next one. You already got any more? Oh, Tony, you're stressing me out. Now. <laughs> All right, there are a couple more. Okay, that one of the major factors in heart disease among women is the stress of job versus children. Very interesting. This is, comes from the book Deadly Emotions that that uh, they're, they're seeing a spike in women and heart conditions and all that. And that 50, you know, more women in the workplace than men today. Okay, that's why if you'll pay attention to what's happened politically, you'll find so many people, their thing, their the women's issue is childcare. And so it's very, very hard for a woman who, especially for a small child or has a baby, to have her maternity and then hand that baby off, particularly if they have to hand them off to a, a, a daycare. That's stressful. I don't care what woman it is, they feel guilty. It's unnatural. And yet in today's world, uh, uh, basically the message that we're being told by many is that you're not valuable unless you're working in the corporate world. And uh, nobody wants to see it that way, but that they have no regard for motherhood anymore. And so, so women are, you know, they, they obligate themselves in expensive houses and cars. And so they, even when they have a baby, they have to hurry up, get back to work to pay for it. And, but th there's a stress there. And that stress, as the years roll by, begins to play itself out inside of them. So we're, again, we're talking about spirit. We're talking about the reality of this condition. Listen to this one. 20% of the population have enough hostility to be dangerous to their health. People are angry. They're upset. And, uh, and uh, this has an effect on them. Uh, and uh, without the ability to rule your spirit, you're going to find yourself in all kinds of trouble. And finally, one last thing associated with that hostility contributes more to heart disease than cigarettes or alcohol. Okay. You cannot smoke, drink, but if you're angry, if you're brooding, if you're seething under the surface, that's taking a toll. Your spirit is taking a toll on your body. So uh, I'm going to stop right here. And so it's been a busy two weeks between boot camp and conference. And I did not secure a testimony. Is there anybody here that can give a brief? Robert, stand, give a brief testimony. Eye on the clock, Robert. You got 120 seconds. And uh, do that. Check, check. Okay, so... Uh... The one I, I was going to talk about prior was I had gotten hurt a uh, couple, ten, 10 or 11 years ago, Friday morning, boot camp, got healed, came back. It was, it was a great miracle. But more recently what happened, as a lot of people know, my cousin Mike Hernandez, I got to see a miracle happen in him in the past two weeks. Two weeks ago, I got a call saying he was in ICU. And when I went, uh, it was only hours after a car accident, got hit by a drunk driver and it was bad. It was very bad. When I got to see him, I came to church that morning near the end of the service, and uh, truthfully, I, I, I needed encouragement. Even though I went and I saw him spiritually, I, was, I felt good. I felt, you know what? God's going to move. What I saw, I was battling what I saw. And um, the next day, Monday morning, it was the first morning of boot camp, and, or getting ready for boot camp and I went to go see him and in one day I got to see how much his face had healed I mean outwardly how much he had healed 
And that was enough for me. I was still hearing negativity and there was reports of this and the doctor was thinking this and all kinds of things. But from that one morning when I got the call to talking with you and hearing everybody at church, hearing all the prayers, getting text messages, receiving all of this, just we're all in praying, believing God for Mike, seeing the recovery in that one day encouraged me enough to say, I I can go to boot camp. I know he's going to be better. I came back. I just saw him uh, yesterday with family. He's talking. He's back to his quirky jokes. You know, he's, he's being cheesy again. He has a goofy smile. I mean, it's, it's Mike. And, <laughs> and we're talking. Now, he challenged me to an arm wrestle yesterday. I mean, it's, it's him. That's and Mike, yeah. the thing is, there's still, you know, they're still trying to say, well, neurologically, and we don't know if he's going to talk, or he might be in this state. No, no, I, I know my cousin. That's him. He's healed. Hallelujah. And to see his body, he's going to have a road of recovery. But it's, it's nothing compared to what we were all thinking when it first happened. It, it looked very grim. And here we are two weeks later, Hallelujah. and it's, it's, it's an absolute miracle. Hallelujah. Isn't that tremendous? You know, two, two weeks ago, if you remember, in the middle of our Sunday school, which we never do, we stopped and we interceded for him. And it works. There's more involved. Okay, thank God for doctors. Thank God for all that. But the spirits matter. Your spirit's matter. Let's stand. We're going to close in, uh, uh, in agree right now. And, uh, you know, we're talking about spirit. And so the Bible says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness isn't just doing right. Holiness is being right. And that means right in our spirit. That means if you're angry or hostile, that's, you know, you, you would never dream of smoking a cigarette. But a, holding on to anger and hostility is, is, will have an effect on your body. Let it go this morning. Say, how do I do that, Pastor Ruby? I forgive. I give up my right. Feeling sorry for yourself today? Full of your self-pity? That's doing something to you. Okay? That's, that's more than eating a dozen donuts when it comes to contributing to diabetes. Just make up your mind. You know, no, I'm not doing that this morning. I'm, I'm going to lay hold of God. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus and he's going to open the prison door. He's going to touch my spirit. Let's pray right now. I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit that is not of you. I cast out from my life all bitterness, anger, self-pity, envy. By the blood of Jesus, I am free and my body is whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I ask you right now, move in power, deliverance. God, touch, oh God, and heal. Let the grace of God that right now overrule every other spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll pick up in a few minutes. The Lord bless you.